0: Church presents the Kingdom of God
2: crusade.
0: Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing.
3: Good morning, everyone. I'm here Pastor Billy Han, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV, Channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on charter cable channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV, channel 15.3 and Comcast, channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central, California, and New, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming and from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church located at 1043 Middle Street is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Caliph for 100 years and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Baum on August the fall of 1923 and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, That is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Today we commemorate Labor Day, which is a federal holiday in the United States celebrated on the first Monday in September to honor and recognize the American labor movement and the works and contributions of the labor to the development and achievements of the United States. Our forefathers who labored together to form our constitution pray before each session, asking God to lead and guide them in this endeavor and according to His will. So even as we labor today, we should always remember our Lord Jesus Christ, asking Him to go before each and every one of us and to keep us safe and He will be there. Our church choir under the direction of Emilia Haan will sing for us his inspiring song entitled, Faith to Carry On. The church band under my direction will now play a smooth and melodious rendition of The Longer I Serve Him. Our soul is for this morning's associate pastor, Marvin Abing, singing for us the song, Who Am I? The words for this selection expresses the great and wonderful love our Savior Jesus Christ has for us, which led him to the cross of Calvary.
1: When I think of how he came so far from glory, came and dwelt among the lonely such as I, to suffer shame and such disgrace, on Mount Calvary take my place, then I am myself a question Who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would pray that I will thine for? I may never know why he ever loved me so until an old rugged cross he'd go for hope. Why I ever loved me so To an old rugged cross It go go forward
3: church choir once more to sing a combination of songs, expressing service to our Lord while there is still time before His return. Being a part of God's soul-saving business and sharing the good news with others. The good news is Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes the Holy Ghost and Fire, and Jesus is coming soon. Their song, Servant Midly" encourages all to share in God's gospel, explaining John 3:5, Acts 30, and Acts 4, 12 for your salvation and your key to enter heaven. Please sing along with the choirs you see words flash on your screen. Up next will be Bang Forte, playing a very upbeat and toe-tapping rendition of The Answer is Yes. We now call upon the vocal group, Redeeming Zion, with a most appropriate song to conclude the Labor Day musical portion of our program entitled, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes. It gives me great pleasure to dedicate this wonderful selection to Mr. and Mrs. Charles and Holly Reamer, family and family. May the Lord continue to pour forth his heavenly blessings upon you and your family in this life and that to come. God bless you and have a blessed day.
4: And praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time stations and location in the continental United States for a viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on charter cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles, From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV channel 15.3 and Comcast channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington from 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable, Channel 503 in New York City. If you would like to know more about gospel work and view a Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, Services are held daily at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Okamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Wednesday evenings only at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by Neighbor Island Branch Churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloe in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Asano Sr. in Kaloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month.
3: One of the reasons I truly feel blessed is that I have the opportunity to share the good news of the glorious gospel of the kingdom of God with you, our TV congregation, through these weekly telecasts. Man's human instincts cause him to embrace sin and shun the Lord's sacrifice and call to everlasting life through His salvation. It is my sincere desire that you will not fail to heal the Lord's commandment to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. I pray that as a result of the gospel message you will hear today entitled, I have lived in all good conscience, you will move a step closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. Does labor have a history? Yes, it does. It reaches far past the formation of labor unions and the labor, Democratic and Republican political parties. Wages commensurate with workers' skills or the amount of work performed were unheard of. So where did it all begin? It began in the Garden of Eden. Let us read in Genesis three seventeen to 19. And to Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou will eat bread, till thou return to the ground. For out of it thou was taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. As a consequence of the fall from grace, mankind was destined to toil the ground all the days of his life. It would be by the sweat of his brow that he would provide the necessities of life for his family. The consequences were very severe. Adam could no longer access the tree of life, making physical death inevitable. While in the Garden of Eden, God provided him with Adam doing very little or no toiling at all. However, once expelled out of the presence of God, the ground became his enemy. The ground no longer spontaneously yielded its fruit because it was God who purposed everything to grow from Adam's toil. As a result of their sin, only by laboring and strenuous exertion of his body would Adam be able to make the ground to produce the food he needed to survive and to secure the necessities of life. The ground that Adam originated from will become his final place of rest as well because out of the dust he was created, so shall he return to dust upon his death. The work ethic is an attribute that is expected to be perfected in every conscientious Christian. The Christian lifestyle is one that involves living a life above sin, being law-abiding, and being disciplined to moral and ethical standards. Let us read in 2 Thessalonians 3, 9-11. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but our busybodies. The question for you this morning, television viewers, is what manner of man are you? Are you conscientious enough to prove what is a good and acceptable will of God? Are you willing to be about your father's business? Can you say as Paul did in Acts 23, 1, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. While laboring in the ministry, Paul would ensure that his actions and lifestyle would praise and glorify God. He did not want to give his persecutors reason to blaspheme the work of the Lord. While on his visits to the missions, he ensured that he would not be looked upon as a spiritual hobo or as a forward and presumptuous preacher. He worked for the meals that he ate and did not freeload off the believers he was visiting. He was highly conscientious of how the ministry was viewed by unbelievers. By the tone of Paul's conversation, it is obvious that there were freeloaders amongst the congregation. Those that were not working were spending their time going from house to house, spreading gossip and dissension. And since they were not working, they depended on others to supply their daily needs. Paul admonished these people by simply saying, get a job and provide for yourself. Truly, the character of a good Christian must be proven daily. Let us read in 1 Timothy 5.8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith. And is worse than an infidel. Yes, there are many government-sponsored plans that help the elderly, those who are physically disabled, or those who suffer financial straits through no fault of their own. However... You and I know that there are many who abuse the good nature of many general organizations and government services. All Christians should be proud to reflect Christ in them, which is honesty and integrity. Jesus tells us, labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Believers every day anticipate the blessed hope of the church, which is the glorious appearing of Jesus in clouds of glory. When Jesus returns, he will rapture his saints for these wonderful words, Come up hither. Therefore, the most important question you should have upon your heart this morning is, What must I do to be saved? The subject of salvation will always remain an individual matter. Mankind chose to sin. Thus, mankind must choose to be saved upon hearing the word of God. Regardless of what present-day theology says, faith alone does not save the soul. The premise that faith alone is sufficient for salvation is a wrongful assumption. To accept Christ as one's personal Savior and Lord, we require one to believe, repent, and perform works of faith that associates oneself with Jesus. Such an act of faith is water baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost. Let us turn to and read John 3, 1-2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Here we find an educated man coming to Jesus in the darkness of night. The significance of this meeting is that Nicodemus saw Jesus as the promise of God being fulfilled. For centuries, the prophets of old spoke of the Messiah, And there were many self-proclaimed messiahs, but none as profound and bearing a commanding presence as Jesus. Jesus perceived what was in the heart of Nicodemus and began to enlighten him regarding the salvation of the soul. Being a scholar, the message of salvation would not be received unless it was accompanied with an explanation based on fact. Isn't it typical of mankind to question the Lord about his own righteousness? The scripture tells that the witness of men is one thing, but having the witness of God is greater. Initially, Nicodemus was straightened in his own bowels of what righteousness should be. After all, he was a Pharisee, an educated person, respected by men as having the oracles of God. Thinking what he had achieved in life, accompanied with a knowledge of the scriptures, he assumed that his works were sufficient to be acceptable in the eyes of God. We continue reading in John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I send to thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We were at one time in the shoes of Nicodemus. We failed to see the spiritual application in spite of having knowledge of the scripture. Therefore, the natural man is incapable of seeing and therefore is unable to enter into the kingdom of God. Thus, the significance of the scripture following in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus tells us that however gifted, moral or refined, a person may be mankind in its natural sinful state cannot gain an entrance into the kingdom of God. The reason being sin cannot be removed unless there is repentance and one is born again through water baptism, calling upon the name of Jesus. This is the new birth. Paul's understanding is this, but the scripture had concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. There are two obstacles that prevent a sinner from coming to Jesus. Overcoming them will guarantee salvation. First, one must acknowledge oneself as a sinner. And secondly, one must acknowledge one's lifestyle as being sinful. Reading from Romans 5, 17, and 19, For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus. For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Jesus liberates ourselves from the bondages of sin and the consequences of sinful lifestyles. It is in the heart of God that all men should come to repentance and be saved. Thus, we have been saved by grace. Though faith, it is a free gift from God. Let us read in Acts two thirty-six 36-37. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And in Acts 38 it reads, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance simply means godly sorrowful sin. Before anyone can enter into the presence of God, one must acknowledge oneself as being a sinner, believing that repenting are the initial steps that start the journey to eternal life. Peter confirms the importance of the name of Jesus, as we read in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name and they given among men whereby we must be saved. God reminds us daily, if you love me, keep my commandments. There is nothing superficial or deceptive about the born again message. It is the same message Jesus preached and taught the disciples. Water baptism is not an option for any clergy or pastor to give you because no one has the authority to change God's plan of salvation. Jesus said a pattern of good works for all to follow. When he approached his cousin, John, to be baptized by him, he said, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. We believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born sinless, but he found that it was expedient for him to be baptized. Why was it so? Jesus sought to make a point. He was the Son of God, but was born the Son of Man. When Jesus came to earth, he came to the form of a sinful man so as to bear the sins of all mankind. Thus, he was baptized to set a pattern of good works in motion. When Jesus went to the cross, he could have called ten thousands of his angels to deliver him, but he did not. Instead, he bore our sins through the suffering of the cross. Every pain we feel in this life, he felt himself. He died as a sinful and unsaved man would, but he victorious rose from the grave, as only the Son of God could do. Peter explained this simply as we read in 1 Peter 4, 1-2. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Thus, being born again gives one another lease of life to serve the Lord Jesus. Now, if you have not been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus, you should ask your priest, pastor, or elder the reason why. You will find that from the day of Pentecost, every convert that repented as a result of the preaching was baptized in the name of Jesus. Those who were baptized with the baptism of repentance with John upon sensing the power that accompanied the preaching were rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Now, when we speak of the Holy Ghost, for many, it stimulates controversy. The truth of the matter is that speaking in tongues remains as the only Bible evidence of one having received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God-given and acts as a seal of redemption for those that believe. Accordingly, He has given us the evidence to confirm His presence within a child of God. Reading from John 7, 37 to 38, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. All of the scriptures that refer to the Holy Ghost in the four Gospels were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It was not coincidence that the 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost during the Feast of Pentecost. It was purposed by God. Let us read in Acts 2, 1-4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Theology today has dismissed the necessity of speaking in tongues as a thing of the past. Let me make one thing clear. The presence of the Holy Ghost is as powerful today as it was on the day of Pentecost. The Lord's presence in His church will continue until the day He calls His church home. Some have discounted the event of Pentecost and recent documentaries of the life of Jesus continue to deny Him as being the Son of God. The world considers the Lord to Christ by believers as phenomenal, superstitious, and fail to understand His purpose. Let us turn to 1 Peter 4.11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion for ever and ever. Today, I speak and preach as having experienced the wonderful works of God, as with many other true Pentecostal churches spread abroad. Here at the Apostolic Faith Church, we experience the manifestation of the Spirit through the spiritual gifts. In the latter days, the Lord will manifest itself in greater measure. Do you know the significance of the Christ's ascension? Yes, the disciples witnessed Jesus ascend physically into heaven. I firmly believe in my heart that while Jesus ascended to heaven, His arms were outstretched, blessing the disciples. In other words, they did not only see Jesus ascending to heaven, but as He ascended, they heard a wonderful sound proceeding out of His mouth. They did not understand it, but felt the power of His presence as He departed from them. Then as they heeded the Lord's instructions to challenge Jerusalem, they received the same power and presence as they witnessed ten days earlier when Jesus ascended to heaven. Thus he was confirmed that this body, which is the temple of God, because of the habitation of God through the Spirit. Paul tells us that today is a day of salvation if you will hear his voice. This decision of grace is quickly coming to a close, and at its conclusion, that the bride of Christ will be raptured, thus escaping the wrath to come, or the hour of temptation. Let us turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The glorious hope of the church is to see the Lord Jesus returning in clouds of glory. Don't you want to be part of the rapture? If so, you must work out your salvation. A discerning spirit allowed Paul to live guilt-free of the gospel. Let us read in 1 Corinthians 9, 9-11. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth off the corn, Doth God take care for oxen, or say it altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. For if we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if you shall reap yours carnal things. There is no doubt in my mind that Paul made every effort to avoid abusing his privileges. Yes, he preached adamantly that all men should work, and his work was to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Obviously, some of the congregations were disgruntled over the fact that the apostles would benefit from the tithes offerings, his donations that came into the church. As a result, Paul gave explanation that he was approved of God. He reminded them how God set apart lands for all the tribes of Jacob with the exception of the Levites. Their inheritance would not be the lands or either side of the Jordan, but each tribe was so offer tithes of their income and their fields to them. The Levites, in turn, would care for the sanctuary without distraction. Their portion would be to the Lord himself. Thus, whatever Paul did, he did with all good conscience and without reservation. Paul took great personal satisfaction in what he did, especially when he was doing more than he had been commanded to do. Whenever he could, he preached without pay that God might be glorified. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 9, 14 and 16. Even so, at the Lord day, they that which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul kept everything in perspective. His concern was for the salvation of souls. He did not covet the best things in life because he knew that they were temporal and would eventually perish. He believed that minimal expenses would reap much savings which could be used for the spreading of the gospel and spiritual maintenance of the believers. He knew controversy would occur due to envy and jealousy. Yes, the benefits were there for the taking, but he only took the minimum that was needed to sustain his strength to labor on. When Jesus sent out the apostles to preach the kingdom of God, he gave them power and authority of all their have diseases. Let read Matthew 10, 5 10. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the livers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass, in your, nor your purses, nor script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. The word apostle means once sent forth. The of thought that is highlighted is being sensitive to the urgency of one's calling, and God will provide for their every need as they continue to be about their father's business. As Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease, he was moved with compassion, seeing how the multitudes fainted along the way as he followed him. saw them in disarray, wondering aimlessly, as sheep having no shepherd. Then Jesus said, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Pastors have a privilege to be provided for as a labor for the Lord. These are whom Jesus spoke of as labors for the harvest. These are the ones Paul referred to as being able to partake of the things of the gospel without condemnation. Like unto the Levites and designated priests set apart to care for the things of the church, so do the pastors. A conscious spirit prevents a piece of any sort and mismanagement. Though we are living several thousand years since the Levites were set apart as priests, the responsibility and accountability remain the same. We are expected to live by the highest standards of holiness and to prove our trust and faith in the Lord daily. Our commitment to the Lord cannot be distracted by worldliness and the pleasures that we accompany it. We are expected to live a life in moderation that reflects godliness. The Lord does not expect us to live destitute daily essentials and it will certainly fall upon us if we abuse the coffers by living richly and lavishly. Dutiful and God-fearing pastors say, I have served the Lord with good conscience. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me only, but unto all them, also that love his appearing. If you'd like to know more about God's word, the church, and review the telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Jr. Expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you, have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hall of His hands. The church band will conclude our Labor Day telecast with a spirited number entitled Labor On.